Happy New Year, ACL Nation. Welcome to 2024. This is Around the ACL. Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione kicking off the new year after an amazing event in Myrtle Beach that we will get into. So we're going to talk about the high school and the college championships. We're going to talk about the Open. We're going to talk about the pro teams. So all kinds of fun stuff to get into. But first of all, Trey, how was your New Year's Eve? How was your New Year's Day? What's going on? It was um, it was productive, oh. not like fun, but it was productive. We we decided apparently, my wife while I was gone decided that she wants to reorganize the entire house and clean like deep organize and clean the house. So literally, when I got home from Myrtle, a day and a half of literally just organizing this so many bins so there everything is in its place in my house right now there's not a stray pencil haven't you not been living there that long yeah but like like legitimately like you take a bunch of stuff you put in the closet like my my closet is color-coded now like i have a (laughs) color-coded closet it's like i mean everything the entire place has just been got we threw like like 10 bags of stuff that we just we also like just got rid of stuff like, mm-hmm. you know, you have stuff in your house that you never use. We did a, a, a deep clean. So literally we're doing that on Sunday night and we look down and we're like, oh, the ball's going to drop in like two minutes. Should we turn the TV on? And so we, could, <laughs> we, didn't have time, we didn't have time to turn the TV on. So we literally just like watched a live stream on our phone and happy new year. And then we finished and went to bed. So, so you're, exciting. You're, your office is pristine too. Did she walk in your office and go, uh-uh, if home life we is going to be here the next day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we came in here the next day. My, there's so much room in here for activities. Like so it's just, uh, it's, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's weird to have all this open space and not clutter everywhere. Nice, Anthony. I hope yours is more exciting. <laughs> not super, super low key. Yeah. So I, I got, I got some the kiddos at home. You know, they're under 21. So we kept it low key. We actually just hopped on. Uh, uh, we call it the light rail. It's basically the train that goes downtown. Um, it was free train all night, you know, in spirit of the new year. So we took the train down and then a little fireworks show in downtown Denver. So, mm. um, you know, pretty simple, walked around, watched fireworks show, walked back to the train, got home. Uh, we got home like at 1120, uh, the fireworks show was at nine. Oh. So we did the early, we did the early one mm-hmm. with the kids. The East coast then, one. Oh no, you're a mountain the, time. The, Never mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, just watched the ball drop on TV at midnight and was asleep by twelve thirty. <laughs> nice, Michelle. You gotta hold up, hold up your end over here. You better be the party animal for us. Yeah, no, we, my friend, my bestie, and I, we hosted a party at her house. We did a bring your own charcuterie board, so everyone had to bring their own charcuterie board. Um, oh. I did like egg rolls and different appetizers. She did a chicken wing one. We had a sushi oh. one. Um, oh. We had a um, like dessert one, so everyone did a good job. Uh, we played games since we're all old and can't stay awake if we don't play games. So we played lots of catchphrase and Cards Against Humanity and, and turned the TV on a few minutes before and Happy New Year. And then, yeah, it was the, for, the, for the kiddos, I, I, I we had like a plastic champagne flute. So I put uh, sparkling cider with gummy bears in it. So they got to have their special drink and they all stayed up till midnight. So they're very excited. Um and then, yeah, Rome still woke up at 6 a.m. So a solid six hours of sleep for my eight-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he did good. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. All right, and so I you guys made it trip. home yeah. for New Year's coming off of the, the broadcast and everything. Everybody made it home? 
Yeah, I came home yeah, on yeah. Um, Saturday. Okay. Yeah, I was I, I came home Saturday and then the, the open event staff stayed all the way through. But yeah, I really want I was hoping you were saying like I've heard this like new thing that people are doing with like younger kids is that they're they're taking a recording of last year's ball drop and they're playing it at like <laughs> 9 30 p.m. And the a kids lot? think, Oh, happy new year. And then they send the kids to bed at 9 45. And <laughs> we I think we would have been too loud for the kids to sleep anyway, but um also like they can tell time. Like Rome would periodically yeah. ask what time is it? Like, and he was doing the math. So like he would have known, <laughs> figured <Yeah>. it out, <laughs> but uh, we had a lot of fun and we got home probably about 1230 as well. So it wasn't bad. All right, let's get into the high school and college championships. Lots of fun was had. We had for college singles, Brandon Earl's, uh, get the win there for college doubles, Austin Waskow and Clayton Eli college teams, Oklahoma state, uh, for high school, high school singles, Tony Forbes, high school doubles, Ian Johnson and Nathaniel Langley and high school teams, Doyle high, but we'll start with college. Uh, Trey, give us your thoughts. Yeah. Well, first one off the top. Um, I know it's not the one that didn't end up on television, but I got to give a big shout out to Oklahoma state. Two years ago, they finished third place in the college team's national championship. Last year, they make it all the way to the finals. They lose to South Carolina. So this year, third time's a charm. Reed Palmer, kind of the leader of that group, finally gets over the hump. Him and Oklahoma State uh, national champions in teams. I thought that was really, really cool and really special. So I thought that was uh, fun to watch. But, yeah, I mean, I made this point on the broadcast that – you know, really, when you look at college singles, this is a pathway to become an ACL pro. From 2018 all the way through 2021, every single collegiate singles winner has gone on to be an ACL pro. Matthew Stout did it in 2018, Austin Slobom in 2019, Draven Sneed in 2020, and then uh, Kobe Costanza in 2021. You go over into 2022, Cole Brewer wins it. He comes back and he's playing in this event trying to get a back-to-back win, right? Obviously, Brandon Earl comes back, and he wins it. He takes it down. He ends up taking down Cole Brewer, um, and he's the ultimate champion. But I think this is really a showcase of these are some of the uh, some great players that can go on to become ACL pros and really solid ACL pros at that. All those pros I just mentioned had some type of pro accolade at some point in their career. Um, when I look at uh, the winner of this, Brandon Earl's, what I just found so interesting is that of how you showcase if you're down the center, you're going to win. Um, and, and it really doesn't have to have a lot of flavor to it. He did have a selective roll bag that he used every now and again. But for the most part, I thought Earls was a down the center type of guy. He threw a couple airmails. I don't know if anybody would believe me, but the champion of college singles on the broadcast court shot less than 50% on airmails. He didn't need it. He missed two big airmails. He hit some rolls. But for the most part, he was down the center on his slide shots, had a selective cut bag that he used ever so often. But even his natural bag had a little bit of a tilt on it. Wasn't the prettiest bag, but he got the job done. It shows if you're down the center, kind of almost Alex Rawls-esque in a way, Mm -hmm. right? If I muddy up the front of the hole, I'm good at knocking a couple bags in. I don't have to have a incredible push, but I push when needed and stay down the center. You can, you can win bad games. So um, Brandon Earl gets a big win there. I was impressed by him. 
And then on the double side, we we really got uh, to to showcase um, you know Austin Waskow. I mean, him and Clayton Eli win for Blinn College, but I think Waskow really was the focal point of that team. Um, with the exception, you know, in singles, he kind of fell apart a little bit. But if you look at the PPRs, this is a guy that was well above a 10.0 PPR for an entire tournament on the collegiate doubles side. So the entire tournament, he throws above a 10. And he's doing it not just running bags nonstop. He's doing it with a collection of roll bags, pushes, cuts, everything that you would expect from a high level, even a pro player. So I was impressed by Waskow. This is somebody that is on the Texas Bully Baggers as an amateur player. He was called up. He is an elite player. Someone that now in uh, also throughout the weekend, based on his play, we expect to see at pro events based on his finish in elite singles and elite doubles. So ultimately, we're going to see more of a Waskow. And then when it comes to Brandon Earls, this is someone that we should expect to see more so in the future. And if the trend points to us correctly, should become an ACL pro at some time in the future. Anthony, what do you think? Hey, I love seeing the pro support for the college and the high school players. And you got Trevor Brooks out there for Kimberly Jenkins, you know, Sims, Chamberlain, Odom, that Texas crew for Austin and Clayton. Great Lakes was out there. I saw Joe Kay and Maya Cup in the stands. Uh, and then, of course, Slowbomb was out there to support uh, his brother. But I'm a technician geek, right? And right away, I noticed Kimberly Jenkins has evolved her pitch, and I absolutely love it. If you go back a little bit of time, she had a very unique two-handed pitch. It almost looked like she was thrown with two hands at the same time. Now very similar to Eric Davis's pitch. Uh, but to me, it was the nerves that absolutely killed Kimberly Jenkins. She smoked a few layup bags. She had to go over. Trevor Brooks was kind of consulting her a little bit in that semifinals to help her get it done. She got it done. It wasn't pretty, but it definitely carried over to the finals where she gave up a two point. She gave up two point six points per round. You just you just simply can't win like that. Waskow and Eli, you know, they got hot when it mattered. Like you said, Trey, both throwing a ten in the finals. So congrats to them, uh, the twenty twenty three college doubles champs on the college single sides. If we just kind of go to the semis. Uh, you talked about Waskow a little bit. Another Texas breed with a ton of talent. His line was just off early. Uh, you know, an eight spot in round three basically ended the match for him. But overall, I think a really strong weekend for him. And if we go to those finals, you talked about technique. Uh, Cole Brew for me, technique-wise, is just not it. You know, unnecessary bends at the knees, bowing at the waist. He doesn't have that palm-up release where you're going to need that to shape shots um, and that's really where the game is going. Like you said, real floppy in the air. That downward tilt does limit shots. Now, that's going to get them through some matches. But if we're thinking college becoming pros, you know, those loose mechanics aren't going to get you very far. And if we look at the top talent in the league right now, their mechanics are tight. And that's just something to be said, not just for the college and high school players, but for the aspiring pros as well. You know, really look at your technique and clean that up. Uh, for me, Brandon Earl's just the opposite, you know, kind of a groomed Great Lakes player. He has this Joe K style, you know, with the step. He has a forward swing pitch set, which I don't mind. It really gets your arm in plane. I actually teach that a lot for people that have a problem hitting their pockets or hitting their hips coming around the outside. He highlighted the roll bag, like you were saying, Trey, in round eight and 10. The pace, the pace for those guys was super fast. I mean, it was just one bag after another. Uh, ultimately, uh, a missed airmail drag in round nine for Brewer ended the game. Um, but I think if you take Earl's 
and drop him into the pro league right now, I think he's a top hundred guy. I think he does have that skill set. Uh, if we talked about high school a little bit, I'll just jump into the singles. Landon Bass uh, versus Tony Forbes in the finals. But if we go to the semifinals is where we got our first look at Tony Forbes. He looked comfortable from the beginning on the broadcast. Um, he had that big airmail rodeo in round two. It was a gutsy shot. He hits it. And I really think that was a difference for him uh, to carry him through to the wind. If he misses that, he's given up huge points. And we know in round limited format, uh, that's going to be tough. I think that gave him some confidence and rode him all the way to the end. Um, Jaden Ellis in the semifinals. Uh, you know, he's got that big elaborate step over on display. I can just see the step over people going crazy at home. He really exaggerated a little bit, but he's compliant. He almost turned it into a lunge, you know, to make sure that that back foot stayed down. He couldn't capitalize um, three different times in the first half. Uh, that really cost him big points. You know, there was a lot of 12-10 scoring scenarios where he just kept giving up points. He had some jam bags that cost him uh, points. I counted eight points in the first six rounds that he gave up off of simple hole shots that he would typically hit. Uh, speed control issues in round six and seven. And we know when you go from the main court to the to the broadcast court, you have to be able to make those quick adjustments to speed. Was it nerves? I don't know. Uh, was it speed? It could have been uh, for Jaden Ellis. Um, Bass looked comfortable on the main stage. You know, he hit a gutsy airmail um, in round, or he shot a gutsy airmail in round two. He missed, right? So now he's down 5-0, cost him big points. Missed another airmail in round four. He's 0-2 now. Now he's down 8-0. So at that point, you're trying to manufacture points. Those two airmail really just cost him uh the score looked worse than i think it actually was he had to kind of go into that you know chasing of points kind of thing um but tony forbes looked at home um he did everything right he had a really nice tempo he showed he had all the shots uh 10.11 over nine rounds and that mish that that kid's gonna that kid's gonna be a stud um, yeah he's got a great attitude he approaches it like baseball he approaches the game like baseball he thinks of it that way he said he thinks of the strategy of each player and and like there's a lot of thought going into what he's doing and Jaden Ellis I did speak to right before the broadcast he didn't seem nervous to me he actually seemed pretty calm so I do think it was a speed thing for him uh, I mean I'm sure he got nervous as he was missing <laughs> and at that point things changed mentally but uh, he didn't seem like that was the case before the match at least right hey real quick in doubles I did want to send a shout out to to Bryce Forbes um a guy who came on my radar at Worlds, and most people might not know how talented this kid is, and I don't think he had a chance to highlight it, but this kid won his bracket at Worlds. And it's interesting, if you check out some of the players he beat in his bracket, a lot of the names, coincidentally, that we saw this weekend. He beat Brandon Earls to win that bracket, now the college champ. He beat Frank Verona in that bracket, who won his Open this past weekend. Uh, he beat a multinational high school champ, Gavin Cano, Aiden Brown. These are some of the players that he beat on his way uh, to that to that to that uh, bracket win. But another speed control issue in the semifinals. He just couldn't control his speed on the broadcast court. So another thing to these players coming in, you have to be able to make those quick adjustments. Um, Schlobaum, his nerves absolutely killed him, man. You could see him just struggling, looking at his brother, trying to figure it out. A 6.7 PPR, you just simply can't win matches like that. Langley looked clean, no issues, very smooth technique. Johnson, consistent as heck. The semifinal and final, those boys were on point. Uh, I liked that Bass carried that confidence over 
uh, to that one as well. He had his head bobbing to the music. He just looked like he was in the moment. Um, and he matched Lashley's 10.0 PPR in that match. They were a wash. So it came down to Eastridge on his side. He was tight. A lot of unforced errors. He was a difference in the loss. Bass kept fighting, hit a big airmail in round eight to tie it at eight. But Eastridge just couldn't find it. That was ultimately the difference. And then just to throw it out, I love the Dusty Thompson interview, really building up the college thing. And then Trey, I don't know what we're calling that infomercial or commercial about the high school stuff. I think that's really cool as well, kind of showing what's coming in 2024. For sure. Anything else to add to high school, Trey, before we move on to the Open? Yeah, uh, one, just want to give one, you know, props to Ian Johnson. I thought he really put the team on his back in the finals to the point where he was hitting everything. I mean, not the prettiest bag, not the best form, but he found a way to hit a lot of bags in. He he pushed it and he was precise and he was accurate. And that's ultimately what it it takes to win. I'll leave you guys with the stat line of the tournament. Stat line of the tournament goes to Austin Waskow and uh, Clayton Eli combined between the two of them 5 and 0 record 10.16 PPR for the whole tournament 1.92 DPR oh. wow Four, 41% four baggers and a 2.8 points allowed per game oh, <laughs> oh my gosh now, well, many people would say, well, in the broadcast court, they were round limited. They only had one game where they didn't get all the way to 21. And mm. that was the finals where they scored 20. So crazy. Dang. There's your yep. style line of the tournament. Love That's it. They're very impressive. Moving on to our open number six in our singles. Uh, we had Ryan Trader take another win here on the season. Doubles, Adam Hisner and Trey Birchfield. For women, Cheyenne Bubenheim, senior Pat Sem, and junior also Ryan Trader. So this is not going to be the last time we hear Ryan Trader. I don't think, I think we're going to get used to hearing this name. I think in terms of juniors, he's kind of doing what Cheyenne's doing, uh, where it's just like, oh, yeah, it's if Ryan's there, it's probably going to him. Um, and then here he is doing it on a huge field on the yep. single side. Biggest open we've had, right, Trey? Yep. Biggest open and Ryan takes it down. So congrats to him. Trey, your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, this is, a, this is, you know, there's a lot of different angles to take here, but I, I, you know, you know me, I tend to be a historian and I know Anthony will talk a good bit about Ryan Trader. So I'm actually going to take a step away from Ryan Trader right now and focus a lot on doubles. And it was a pretty historic win for Trey Birchfield and Adam Hisner. Yeah, uh, And I don't think, and I want to put in perspective, like it was a big win for Adam Hisner. Adam Hisner with that win gets his ninth total title. Uh, uh, sorry, gets his eighth total title. His eighth total title propels him into the top 10, back into the top 10 all time. This is someone that we thought, all right, he got a lot of titles early in his career and he's kind of fading. Is he, he's not gonna, yeah. is he not going to get them? He comes back in an absolutely loaded field in doubles, and in my opinion, I think he was the better player on the day, Anthony. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe, what, maybe some other people might disagree, but I thought he was the, a dominating player on his yeah. end of the boards, and he really showcased how good of a player he can be, and showed that he doesn't have to win with Cody Henderson in order to win at a really high level. And I thought that was important for him. 
Another stat that I thought is absolutely mind-boggling, Trey Birchfield just won his eighth Open in doubles. Eight. Wow. That is outrageous when you talk about, I mean, that's half his total titles. In addition to that, we were talking about how Mark Richards had begun to kind of, we thought, run away from Trey Birchfield, and now it was just this three-horse race. And I think that's to an extent maybe still be true, but Trey Birchfield now gets cl- back closer to Mark Richards. He goes and he's now 16th. Uh, 16 total titles is Trey Birchfield with Mark Richards being that 17, Jamie Graham being 19, and Matt Guy sitting there still at 20. After Trey Birchfield, there's a large gap. There's a five-title gap between him and the next in line at 11 with Brett Guy. So, again, we're talking about a pretty significant bump, and Trey Birchfield continues his case. Adam Hisner hits into history, which I thought was really well. I tweeted this at Anthony at Anthony um, uh, right after the event. We talk about two of the players right there at the end, Jeremiah Ellis and Ryan Hart, Adam Hisner, and Trey Birchfield. Anthony didn't have either one of them in his top 10. I squeaked in Jeremiah Ellis and Ryan Hart at the very end of mine, but Trey Birchfield and Adam Hisner would have been 17, 16 for me or whatever yes. it was, way down there. I mean – I think this goes to show you that when you when you have a team that has a ton of experience and they can compete at a high level, that they can be a top five team no matter what. I mean, this this field that we just saw was very similar to a national um, in, in the fact that it's very similar to a pro event. So we're going to see a ton of, uh, uh, of players, and I think we should look at these results and say to ourselves, whoever succeeded well here is going to be likely to succeed at a very high level when it comes to these pro events, once we hit April and and part of that is accentuated. Again, this will probably be my one single thought on the single side before I turn it over to Anthony is Ryan trader. Okay. When you look at his path all the way to win, he went nine and oh, okay. At an open and he did not play a single amateur player. Every single player that Ryan Trader played in his route to win this entire thing was a pro player. That shows me that this is a kid that is ready to compete at that level. Because how many times do we do this, Anthony, where we look at the list and it's like, okay, yeah, the guy the guy got to the king seat. He beat a pro. Then he, you know, the the the, the finals, he beat an amateur that went through. And they oh, yeah. Up, you know, you know, all the way in the, the the finals, and it's because they played two pros, the or three pros the entire time. They just got a good seat, a good break here and here. Not the case of Trader. Trader beats Josh Glover, Chad Hunt, Logan Chamberlain, Mark Richards after he was down a good bit in that game. He was down 14 to 4 in that game, came back and won. Ryan Windsor, Ryan Windsor again, Ryan yep. Wiedenfeld, Frank Verona, and Alec Ryan. So um I said I wasn't going to talk about Ryan Trader, but I had to share that stat. But uh, overall, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was statement wins by both players, and uh, uh, we we got a lot of thinking to do about whether or not who, who's going to be at top of that ballot when it comes to uh, Jeremiah Ellis and Ryan Trader, at least for Rookie of the Year as we enter the pro season. Absolutely, Anthony, give us your thoughts. Yeah, so I mean, to close out the year and going into the Open and really kind of getting a picture of what the pro season is going to look like, you know, you're looking at certain 
matchups. You're looking at certain wins, certain losses between certain singles and doubles teams. So that's kind of the way that I looked at this open. Ryan Hart, obviously winning his bracket was a big one at the top of the list because we the unknown of what kind of partner he's going to be for Ellis. We're seeing Ellis soar to the top, clearly an A player. Can Ryan Hart be that supporting B player or match him as an A player? Like you were saying, to be a top 10 talent like Trey put into his top 10. So that was huge for Ryan Hart to go out and win his bracket. Now I'm looking at that team as a serious threat, a team that wasn't on my top 10 radar, you know, somewhere in the teens to 20s, a top 20 team. But now are we talking about a top 10 team? So Annie beat Hunter Thorne twice, uh, who Hunter Thorne right now is obviously playing like a top 10 singles player. So uh, Ryan Hart on radar. Frank Verona, only because of the whole storyline with the rookie of the year runs. Uh, I've mentioned Frank Verona's name a number of times since coming out of Worlds, a guy that I got to sit down, watch some matches. He's definitely impressive to me. Um, you know, we're out here talking about Ellis and Allen and Trader and Soto. So for Verona to go out and win his bracket, I think that propels him to be on the radar now uh, for everybody. Now, arguably, like Trey was saying, an easy run to the king seat if you look at it, but he had to beat Caden Allen twice to get out of that bracket. So uh, he's now on radar. Jimmy Humans for me. Uh, where is Jimmy Humans right now in the pro division? And the way that he competed this weekend, this dude threw gas in singles and doubles. You know, he beats Isidro in singles, takes Harbaugh to 21-16. He was up 16-11 in that one. Smacks Jordan Camba 22-2. He beats Schrader. He beats Derek Collins. So to me, I'm like, as he's moving his way through the bracket, I'm like, okay, I think Jimmy Humans is still a top 20 player, maybe even better. So I think that was a good run for him. The whole Jeremiah Ellis versus Ryan Trader thing, because, you know, we were looking at these guys as the ones leading the pack on the rookie of the year, although we have Caden Allen right there in the mix too. So going into this one, this one was big for me. I'm like, I was really prepared to put Ellis in the pole position as the rookie, uh, the leading candidate for rookie of the year coming out of this weekend. So when they both won their bracket, it was like, okay, uh, can we get an Ellis trader matchup as a bracket playoff? That would have been perfect. Um, so Ellis winning his bracket really helped for me, validate me putting him on my top 10. He just hit my top 10 the last time. So winning the bracket really validated that trader was on my top 10 at number eight him winning the bracket again validated that now the fact that trader finished ahead of ellis validated that on my top 10 i had trader at eight and ellis at 10 so right now i'm still sticking with ryan trader as the lead of that rookie of the year kind of run right now now i think it's going to be a battle with these guys all the way to the end um you mentioned hisner uh really we saw hisner come out hot is he just is he just hot? Is it a fluke? Or is Hisner going to be a dominant force in the 2024 season? He showed it in singles and doubles. Absolutely banged it. Now I'm thinking, should we consider this guy a top 10 player? Which is crazy. Um, so not only do I think he's a top 15, 20 player, but now if he continues what he did at the next Open, I might consider Adam Hisner as, as a top 10 player. And is he a better player now without Cody Henderson, which would be crazy to say, but right now, he's looking like he's a much better player. Uh, Devin Harbaugh. Every single open, I have my eye on Devin Harbaugh because I want the guy to win a freaking uh, a, an open and singles over and over again because he's just that good. Um, loses to Derek Holland. Loses to a no-name. Clawson takes seventh in his bracket. 
So to me, I'm walking away going, all right, I'm not going to think much of that because we know Harbaugh is still amazing. And if you look at close to the stats, the dude goes three and two throwing almost a 10.8. Like, wow. What? Yeah. Like what, what's <laughs> going on there? So I'm not going to read too much into that, but I want to see Harbaugh continue to win and, and take home a singles open as well. Um, Noah Almanza taking fourth place in his bracket. So to me, again, showing consistency over time. We're talking about Noah Monza. Is he back on the rise? That just continues to strengthen that one. Don't know what to get out of Matthew Sorrell. So coming in this open, I'm like, Matthew Sorrell's, what are you going to give us? And he doesn't compete in very many uh, events. So I'm really looking closely at him. Loses to Trevor Kufis and loses to Jonathan Etheridge. Now, I'm not taking anything away from these players. I think Etheridge is going to surprise a lot of people. Kufis has already surprised all of us. But I wanted to see Matthew Sorrell's win those matches because I thought he was a top 20 player. To me right now, Outside of top 20, just based on what happened in this open. So that kind of shuffles the deck for me. Joe K coming out of this funk, takes second place in his bracket. Yes, he had an easy run through his bracket, but he beats Frank Modlin. I think Joe K's run solidifies him as still a top player in this game. He hasn't fallen off, which at the beginning of the year, we were like, what the heck is going on with Joe K? So good to see him show up. Ryan Windsor hits my top 10 list. Um, I was I was confident about that one. So to see him come in and make another bracket final run, Ryan Windsor is a top 10 player in this league, period. You have to look at what he's done uh, over the whole season so far. He deserves that spot. Um, he was at number nine for me right behind Trader. He lost to Trader in the bracket, so I feel good about how I positioned them in the top 10. Um, Richards coming out. You know, not having – Richards is going to win. Richards is going to win. Does it? What do you take? Like third, I think, in his bracket, maybe fourth. Loses to Trader, loses to Travis Purser. Travis Purser was throwing gas. I'm not going to read anything into that. Is Mark Richards still the number one player in the world right now? Yes, he is. Uh, he just didn't didn't have the outcome that we had. Gavin Cano, a guy that wasn't on my top ten list. Trey Ryder gave me shit for that one. Uh, he knows how much of a, a Ryan or a Cano fan. I came into this open saying I'm keeping an eye on Cano. If he has another run like he should, wins a bracket, he's in my top ten. He did that. And going through a Fisher Hamilton, Gavin Connor right now is on my top 10. Now I just got to figure out who the heck comes out of that. But Gavin Connor, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Gavin How Cano. many spots can I have in my top 10? Can exactly. I have 15 spots in my top 10? Yes, yes. Uh, that so should I'm, be our new segment. It's like Trey and Anthony's top 10 where we agree on like 17 players to be in our top 10. It's like, it's a metaphorical, like it's a. Yeah, like, know. wait a second. The math no isn't nothing. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, Ryan Wiedenfield, guys. This is a guy who was 80th in singles last season, has made another, has won another singles bracket. I mean, we got to start talking about Wiedenfield now as a top player in the league. I've talked about his decision making, the over aggressive play. He seems to be doing really, really well not right now in singles. Now he's always done good in doubles. I'm excited to see him. Uh, Alan Rawls taking ninth in his bracket. Don't care. He's still a top 10 player for me. His stats were off the chart. He had tough, close losses. He's still a top 10, uh, in my opinion. Real quick on doubles. Uh, what are we getting from Eric Davis and Matt, Matthew Sorrells? Another team I had my eye on really close. Smack, Poitras, and Morellis, which I thought they were pretty even. I was thinking Poitras, Morellis, Eric Davis, Sorrells, top 20 doubles team, but where do I position them? They smacked them 21 to two. They get through Rule and Purser, who also had kind of in that same area. So now I'm looking at Davis and Sorrells as a partnership, maybe moving up a little bit. But who do they lose to? 
And this speaks volumes to me as well. It tells a lot about, I didn't know what we were going to get from humans and foster. They lose to humans and foster. So that one is very interesting. Again, humans having an amazing uh, weekend. And what are we going to get from Brady Foster? So they're looking like they might be a strong doubles team. Um, Ellison Hart, if you look at their run, you don't really learn much. And it sucks because I was like, I want to see these guys go up against a tough doubles team because I want to see them in the top 10. Trey wants to see them be challenged. But if you look at who they play, I won't go through it. It's just going to take too long. But it was like amateur, amateur, a non-dedicated pro team, a non-dedicated pro team, um, you know, humans and foster to take the King seat, which I wanted to see them hit a top 10 team. And then they play Quinn Reeves and Tony Forbes in the final. I'm like, dang it. I really wanted to see them play a top 10 team and see where they, uh, where they position themselves. Mad confusion with Harbaugh and Kano. We saw them in the field. I expected them to win a bracket ninth in their bracket. Um, but again, it happens all the time. Are we going to say Devin Harbaugh and Gavin Cano aren't top 10 players in the league? No, we're not. They just had a bad open. They've deserved that argument with consistency over time, but ninth in their bracket and Devin Harbaugh posted my bad Gavin Cano. I sucked in double. So he's kind of taking the blame for that one. So a tough weekend for Devin Harbaugh. Gore and Thor, I think you took off your top 10, Trey. They won their bracket going through Matt Guy and Brett Guy twice. I had him at number six. That feels really good about that one. They could be a serious threat. I got more Mish, but I think we're running out of time. I wanted to talk about Rawls in Holland. Uh, I'll just close it with who got the better end of that partnership trade. You got Birchfield with Hisner. You got Rawls with Holland. I'm really liking Trey Birchfield right now with Adam Hisner as his partner in that trade scenario. Agreed. <laughs> All right. Moving on to buy or sell. Ryan Trader has retaken the pole position over Jeremiah Ellis for Rookie of the Year. Trey? Uh, I, I, I don't want to say yes. I, I just think – I, I still think Jeremiah Ellis has the higher ups. I just I, – you know what? I'm what I have it. to do. I'm sell, I'm keeping I'm keeping Jeremiah. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. I get it. It doesn't make he any just, sense. I'm I'm keep I'm keeping Ellis at one. He just I, Alan Rawls, Ryan Trader. He, he did. Just he Alan did. Rawls him. It's a thing now. <laughs> I did. I did. I, I I just I don't know. My gut says my gut says Ellis is 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 a pro event winner at some point this year, and maybe Trader is too. I don't know. I'm, I'm maybe yeah. I'm delusional. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, it's not far behind. It's going to be like this, but for right now, I'm 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 going to buy. You're buying, okay. Adam Hisner and Trey Burchfield are a top ten team. I just don't have room. Where am I putting these people? Who are you taking out? Uh, actually, yeah, you know, I, I'm going to have to take out like Jordan Power and Joe Neistat. So I'll okay. I'll throw them in there. I'll have to squeeze them in. I got to put them in the top 10. They, they just won one of the biggest. They won the biggest open in the history of the league. They have to. They deserve that. Uh, I'll put them at 10 and Power and Neistat. You're sitting at 11. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Anthony. <laughs> oh, it's so tough. Um, it's, it's really Birchfield. I mean, Adam Hissner's playing so consistent and well right now. I don't, Birchfield, I just don't know. Like, uh, look at the singles run for Birchfield this weekend. Not great. Adam Hissner took the king seat or was in the king seat match, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Just, it's what's weird is we're talking about the world champ, who's the one that's inconsistent for me. I'd have to take out a Weedenfield Smith. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell for right now. <laughs> Hayden Gonzalez is now the top amateur prospect in the country. 
Yeah, the, I mean, you talk about an amateur player winning a bracket in the most stacked, oh, one of the most stacked opens ever, the largest open ever. That's going to draw some eyes. I'm going to pump the brakes just a tad. I think it's an incredible experience. I think to me, he gets into the top five, into that conversation, talk about prospects. If he's going to earn it, he's got to pass Jackson Remick and Gavin Hammond out of Colorado. For me, I think those two are two of the best players in the country at the amateur level. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna sell for now, but he, he's in the conversation now and he's got some eyeballs on him to see if he can follow that up. Definitely. Anthony? Yeah, I mean, last year, guys like Caden Allen, Sammy Soto made it easy for us. Trader, like it was obvious who the best amateurs were. This year, it's not so obvious, at least right out of the gate. I'm struggling to even think of the ones you mentioned, Hammond and Remick. Yes, I'm trying to think of anyone else who's really obviously leading the pack in the amateur prospect category. I'm going to buy it because of what he did at this particular open. Impressive stuff out of Gonzalez. You're going to take you're going to take him over Jaden Ellis. Damn it! You see, <laughs> How about Tony Forbes. What is, what is the kid gonna do? Yeah, here's the thing, man. Yeah, and Tony Forbes. I'm really nervous about how Ellis performed on the broadcast. Was it speed? I Was get it that. nerves? I don't know. But you're right. I mean, it's it's tough. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna give him credit for right now. I'm gonna buy it. Okay. Frank Verona would now be on your ballot for Rookie of the Year. Yeah, so if I, if I got five spots on my ballot, I was thinking about this. Like, I know it's just one tournament, but does he jump on there? So there's four on there that you can't move, I don't think, at this point. And I think you, you have to find room for a fifth. So Jeremiah Ellis, Ryan Trader, Sammy Soto, Caden Allen. Yep. I, I don't I don't see how you put anybody else on there for sure. Could you put Colby Shearer on there? Could you put Austin Cameron? Could you put Braden Wilson? Yes. For now, based on what I've seen, I'll put Frank Verona on there. I'll buy it that he squeaks onto the ballot, but I don't think he's got to show consistency to stay there because that's a pretty stacked ballot that we got going right there. And Colby Shearer and Braden Wilson and Austin Cameron won't won't let him just take it. Absolutely. Anthony? As much as I want to, and I've been talking him up since coming out of Worlds, I just, like you said, Alan Soto, Ellis, Trader, Wilson, those five are really, really hard requirements for me to be on the ballot. Um, so he's six. I'm going to have to sell. Okay. The Woodchucks should feel better about the Alec Ryan for Kyle Malone trade after this weekend. Yeah, the Woodchucks, tw- Zach Scheidner, he tweeted at me. He said, you like that trade now? <laughs> no, I don't. I do not <laughs> sell it. I don't care. I don't care. You don't trade Kyle Malone. What are you doing? Well, Alec, Alec started off hot last season, so I think it, you have to look at the back half. Oh, it's a great right. player. Made it all the way to finals, one of the most stacked opens. Great. <laughs> have a cookie. You don't trade Kyle Malone. <laughs> so mad about it. Anthony. Oh, I agree with Trey. I mean, if you're going to compare him to Kyle, he, he he comes out and he wins just like Alec Ryan did. Props to Alec for what he's doing so far this season, and I think he's actually a really, really good doubles player in the team's environment, so I think that is a couple bonus points for him, but I'm going to sell. All right, let's get into teams. So uh, Florida freeze is now five and one. Uh, I just lost my spot. There we go. Then <laughs> they go two and one against the Carolina coasters who are now two and four Georgia sliders are now three and three. They go three and zero oh against the Virginia cutters who are two and four 
Kentucky Colonels go 3-0 against the Missouri Mays. Chicago Land Spinners go 2-1 against the Texas Bullybaggers. Anything uh, stand out to you there, Trey? Yeah, I got a, I got a good amount of thoughts here, right? So one of them I got to start with, the Kentucky Colonels are undefeated, ladies and gentlemen. They are undefeated, the Kentucky Colonels. And so part of what I wanted to look at here is like on different on how these different records are shaping out. Like, let's let's look at the draft, right? We're still probably a little bit early to look back at what was drafted, but if we look we look back at the draft and we talk about where people were taken, Virginia Cutters, they go Jake Gore, Sammy Soto. Still feeling pretty good about that, right? Jeremiah Ellis goes third. At first, maybe some people may have thought that was a little high, whatever. But right now, the Woodchuck's got to be loving Jeremiah Ellis at three right now. Caden Allen goes four. We get to number five, and the Missouri Mays take Alex Hicks. I don't think there's any thought on their camp right now about that pick. But right now, to me, that feels like a a little bit too high. I haven't seen Alex Hicks play to the level that I have expected him to over the past couple months. And right now I haven't even said Ryan Trader's name yet. Okay. Ryan Trader then goes six to the Colorado Timber. The Timber got to feel like that is a home run of a pick at six. Here comes the big question mark. And Anthony talked about this guy in singles, Matthew Sorrells. Okay. I, everybody I just named is far and away what I would define as an elite player, whether or not we're going to put them in our 17 people in our top 10 or whatever it is. That's, that's a different story, right? But all of those people are elite. We get to Matthew Sorrell's and that's not elite. Now what's interesting about this is that was drafted by the, that was drafted by the Florida freeze. The Florida freeze traded to get that pick. Who did they trade to get that pick? Ryan Hart, who is now yeah. a top 10 doubles player, no matter a top 10 doubles team, and he just won his bracket. So to me, the Florida Freeze, I think, lost that. And who won that is the Kentucky Colonels. The Kentucky Colonels had that pick and instead traded it away and took in Ryan Hart, who at first we thought was a little bit risky and we downgraded that. The reason I say this and the reason I'm bringing this up is then who did the Kentucky Colonels get with the first pick of the next round? Pat Sem. What did Killing Pat it. Sem do this weekend? He made it to a bracket final. Uh, no, he won a bracket with Kaylee Hunter. So him and Kaylee Hunter, who has never won an open bracket before, win it. And then in a loaded field of two brackets worth of seniors, Pat Sem takes the entire thing down. So the Kentucky Colonels, came out, pick up two really valuable picks, and then they sweep the weekend, and they start their, their season off on a really, really high foot. So I wanted to mention them. And then I also wanted to mention the Florida Freeze. Yeah, the, you know what? They made a bad trade, in my opinion, and they're still loaded. Allen Rawls and Cheyenne Bubenheim may not lose a game all year with how well that they threw this weekend. Um, uh, and on the team's format, I mean – they're just unbelievable. They're they're just going to continue to pummel teams. Um, they're five and one on the season. They've only won, lost one individual game. The Georgia Sliders, they go three and zero this weekend. I had them a little bit higher as far as production goes. Now the downside is I don't think the Cutters, the Mays, or the Bully Baggers were able to travel the same roster of teams that they probably would have liked. 
But in the end, I really wanted to give some props to the Kentucky Colonels based on what they did. And I really want to give uh, kudos to the Florida Freeze and also take a look at that draft board because that draft board, you know, is interesting. And, and if we care about Frank Verona, he's all the way down at 13. So wow. Frank Verona went at 13. He went, Jack, it went, it went Matthew Sorrells, Braden Wilson, Jack Gore, Colby Shearer, Austin Cameron, Logan Hall, Frank Verona. So Frank Verona was a little bit down there. The Chicago land spinners got kind of a, a good deal there on, on Frank Verona. Anthony, what can you add? Yeah. Looking at the freeze coasters matchup. No surprise there. Uh, Trey, I think we even had them graded about the same where we had freeze like way up here and the coasters kind of way down here. So no surprise there, but definitely some surprises with the Kentucky Colonels. I didn't really have them, uh, you know, graded very well in the maze. I had pretty high, like a B plus. So to see them go three and oh, and, and, and I think if we broke it down a little bit further, that's where we'd maybe see how do the matchups play out? What were their partnerships? Uh, we'd have to take it down to that level to really understand that. But yeah, definitely the um, the spinners uh, surprises me quite a bit. I didn't give them, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't say that they were going to be terrible, but I really didn't rate them very high. Where I did the yeah. bully baggers, that roster just looks insane stacked to me. But again, I think we'd have. I don't know if you have those or anybody has those in front of us, but like, what were the actual matchups of the spinners versus the the bully baggers? I think we'd have to look at that because we're not having every single person on the roster show up at these opens, right, Trey? Right. So it's kind of tough to say, hey, the the whole spinners team is better than the whole baggers team. You got to kind of look closer and say who was really there to support the team games. Yeah. So the spinners, um, the spinners uh, had Nico Morellas and Tyler Poitras took down Deb Odom and Ernest Cisneros, twelve to two. Jordan Kimbrell and Mark Richards took down AJ Sims and Austin Waskow, twenty four to three. And then they lost. They had Angel Camarena and Frank Verona lose to Jared Kufis and Zach Harris. Wow. Yeah, so basically the, the the entire top of the Baggers team, the Bully Baggers team, who wasn't even really there. Here's here's the interesting one. Let's look at the Colonels real quick. This is this is actually telling to me, Anthony. Colonels versus Mays. The Colonels had Brett Guy and Matt Guy against Ryan Windsor and Austin Renard. They win that okay. one. Okay. Kentucky Colonels, Anthony Mayball, Tony Mayball, and Justin Rule beat Jalen Jones and Isidro Herrera 11 to 6. Okay. That's a realistic matchup that we could have seen throughout the season. And then the last one, Ryan Hart and Carter Bennett beat Ethan Walker and Damon Reynolds 30 to 6. Mm. So, I mean, that matchup by the Colonels didn't feel as top heavy, bottom right. heavy. I mean, yes, maybe a little bit skewed, but at the same time, some people won those games that you probably could have gone with a coin flip there. And I think that's good news for the Colonels who are trying to turn around, you know, the just okay season that they had last year. Um, I, I want to look at any other. Uh, I looked at those two. The last one for the freeze, the freeze, they had Davis and Hunt. Beat Raw Alex Rawls and Chris Fagan twenty three to zero. Yeah. Um, Matthew right. Sorrells and Blaine Rozier beat Trevor Brooks and Berkeley Pair twelve to seven. I could see Alan Rawl. Yeah, that's a coin flip to me. That's a coin flip. Alan Rawls and Cheyenne Bubenheim beat Jamie Graham and Frank Maudlin nineteen to two. 
No surprise. <laughs> no surprise, says no Anthony surprise. Oh, And then no finally, surprise. the Georgia um, Clemmer and Holland beat uh, Jonathan Etheridge and Jake Gore 9-8. to eight. Terry Mathis and Gabe Dolan beat Felix Vargas and Justin Stranger 24-4. to four. And then Ryan Smith and Ryan Wiedenfeld beat Sammy Soto and Logan Chamberlain 16-10. Oh. to 10. oh, that's a good one. So the sliders came came to play. It came to play. All right, we got hot takes. Trey, you got one ready? I, I'm staying on it. These Kentucky Colonels make the playoffs this year. Oh. I think it's a good sign. I think they, I they think are, it's still hot. <laughs> I think it's hot too, but I like I'm looking at the way they drafted. They brought back some good players. They drafted good players. That's a recipe for success. Anthony. I was really impressed at what Jimmy humans did this weekend. If we look at him last season, he was, and this might shock a lot of people. He was 98th last season in singles, which, which is insane. Wow. I'm going to say Jimmy humans finishes top 20 in singles this year. He is throwing fire right now. Dang. Um, I'm going to go with Bubenheim. I think that she's going to win. We're doing women's events at nationals, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think she's going to sweep it. Pregnant, well, newborn, hey. don't matter. Don't matter. <laughs> wow. That's a lot. That's a yep. lot. I know. So uh, that's my hot take. That's all we have time for today, everyone. Have an amazing new year, and we will see you next time.